golden angel learned to relax and rediscover Christmas. A good omen spot fic, written by Jupiter Ash and read by Job. This is part 10 of the Tales of Eden Cottage series. Summary Aziraphale has a complicated relationship with various religious holidays. Christmas was no exception. Chapter 1 Aziraphale September to early November Aziraphale had a complicated relationship with Christmas. Yes, it was a festival based on joy, thanksgiving and sacrificial love, but it was also complicated, fraught and even more chaotic. In contrast, Crowley loved Christmas. In his view, modern Christmas was high on his list of ultimate successes, along with Manchester, the M25 and the theory of evolution. His commendation for his work on the theory of evolution was, for once, fully deserved. While the theory itself wasn't his original idea, even his imagination didn't stretch that far, he had been instrumental in having the idea spread. Even so, he'd not thought for one minute it would catch on quite the way it did. Christmas and everything attached to it was an ever-expanding pool which, under bright flickering lights, swirled greed, jealousy, gluttony and anger to a soundtrack of catchy but irritating tunes. Technically, as a demon, he wasn't supposed to like it as much as he did, what with it being about the birth of the Son of the Almighty, the Saviour of the world the Messiah, and all that. But since most people ignored that part of the celebrations these days, he figured he was fine. And Fairy Tale of New York was bloody brilliant, thank you very much. Of course, modern day Christmas bore very little resemblance to the first Christmas, which had actually been March 21st on current calendars or an otherwise quiet Tuesday. Aziraphale hadn't really been involved in the first Christmas. Gabriel had been handed that remit, and he had his own team in head office for it. Since, even back then, Aziraphale was rarely included in anything to do with head office, much to his general relief, he had been grateful to have been given a heads up about this one, so he could at least be in the area when it all went down. Although with all the movement between heaven and earth at that time, even he had already determined that something was happening. He'd been rather fortunate to get a room though. His presence had also gone unremarked upon, as he had been able to blend in with all the economic migrants who had been forced back to their birthplace for yet another pesky Roman census. He had a shrewd suspicion that a certain snake-eyed demon had been the one who persuaded Caesar that counting all the people for tax purposes again was a jolly good idea.
The choruses by the various celestial choirs had been quite lovely, though. He had spent a relatively... Relative, since time itself had only been invented for part of it, short time in one of the choirs of hosts, before he received his assignment as the Principality of the Eastern Gate. But that didn't mean he didn't appreciate the harmonious singing, in limited doses. And anyway, the song selection had been infinitely greater back when he had been a much newer angel. Somehow the selection had been whittled down considerably over the past few millennia, to what he now considered to be barely more than a greatest hits compilation, which did become a little tedious after a century or two. Reminiscences aside, the point was that Aziraphale had never really been sure what to make of the season that was Christmas. He appreciated the whole remind people about Jesus thing, even if it wasn't the actual date Jesus had been born on. He encouraged the whole laugh and think of others thing. Those were concepts he could fully get behind, since they helped bring the best out of people. And she certainly didn't dislike the whole celebrating with good food and drink, provided there was enough for everyone and it wasn't about to cause people to end up starving before the winter was out. He was a sensualist, not a glutton. He barely ate at all during times of famine or crisis. Just enough to keep up appearances, and keep his corporation running. The 14th century had been particularly long in that respects. War, famine and pestilence had been unusually busy during that time, while the less said about death, the better. He had certainly been a little peeved when the Puritans had cancelled Christmas. But modern Christmas was almost a completely different beast from what it had once been. Loud, bright, dramatic. Everything now felt amplified. Not just the joy and the love, but the greed, the waste and the annoyance. People being forced to spend time with family members who were rude or racist or bigoted. Others being guilted into spending more than they could afford, because that was what was expected. Others still who couldn't even do that, their financial lack meaning they were pushed to the side, looking on as the whole season happened without them. It was people like that he used to welcome into his shop at Christmas. People with nothing. People with nowhere else to go. People who were no longer welcome at the place they had once thought of as home. During Victoria's reign, he had played host on Christmas Day to a charming group of street children, gifting them with new shoes and gloves, hot food and a warm fire. During the Second World War, there had been the families recently left with nothing after a particular effective bombing raid. 
During the early 90s, it had been a group of young men, sick and weary, abandoned by families who feared the death sentence they carried in their blood. He had built up quite a relationship with the gay community over the years. It probably helped that they saw him as one of their own. For while his true form was without gender, his physical body was decidedly male in appearance, which meant to humans, who often struggled to consider anything outside of the binary they were familiar with, his unique blend of both masculine and feminine traits gave the illusion of similarity with others who were also less traditional in terms of gender or sexuality. Crowley, who was also without gender, was more flexible with his form, switching between male and female pronouns as he wished, presenting however he felt like at the time. Being essentially genderless, Aziraphale had no issue with any of Crowley's presentation choices, as it wasn't Crowley's human-like physical form that Aziraphale was in love with. He would, however, admit to being rather fond of it, however Crowley chose to present it that day. It was not his place to fix the ills of the world, though. Head office had been very clear about that. Consequences had to play out. His role had always been to encourage humans to things like love, kindness and generosity. But that didn't mean that, on occasion, he couldn't be the blessing himself. In the main, though, he had found it best to help the humans to do their own good works. Organizations like food kitchens and shelters, hospitals and hospices, schools and charities could reach and help considerably more than he ever could as one entity, no matter how angelic. Christmas, though, had been by far his busiest time of year for heaven, the list of miracles always long and involving. Now, though, he was sort of retired, which meant he had to determine what his role should be for himself. Or maybe it was just as simple as trying to figure out what Christmas really meant to him now. Crowley, dear, he started one morning. Have you given any thought to what we should do about Christmas? What about Christmas? Crowley asked, somewhat taken aback by the question. Partly because he had only just come in from the garden, and partly because it was still September. Well, I've been giving it some consideration, and I thought that since we are amongst humans now, trying to live an essentially human-like life, that maybe we should make an effort this year. Join in the festivities, so to speak. Okay, sure. Crowley said, because he was rarely against joining in any festivity that involved excessive drinking and terrible music. But I thought you disliked Christmas. Not 
all of that, Aziraph had said, a touch more defensively than he had been aiming for. It's just, it was always such a busy time of year. Lots of blessings, lots of messages from head office, lots of little miracles. It was exhausting. I'm sure you found the same thing. Crowley shrugged. Christmas of old had certainly been hard work, back when people had been more religious, and his head office had wanted him to spoil it as much as possible. Modern Christmas, on the other hand, had been a breeze. Drunken Christmas parties that led to office affairs, tick. Little whispers that it would be all right to steal from the charity fund, tick. Do they know it's Christmas stuck on a loop? Yes, yes, they do know it's Christmas. They have calendars and no snow in Africa this Christmas time. Even if that was true, which would be a surprise to the African ski resorts and the mountain climbers of various snow-capped peaks, it was unlikely to snow in London at Christmas time either. But that's never stopped a Londoner from knowing that it's Christmas. Tick, tick, tick. And you know how I feel about, well, you know who. Which Crowley took to mean Gabriel and not Lord Voldemort. Aziraphale had gotten rather upset during the early 2000s when religious groups had started burning Harry Potter books. Downstairs' head office had been conflicted about whether the book burning was a good thing or not. Burning books was always good, but the books had been deemed occult by some, so burning them bad. But burning books also meant publicity, which meant that even more people now wanted to read them just to see what the fuss was about, which was good because apparently occult. But at the same time, the books were also helping to inspire a generation to grow up to be better people and to fight injustice like greed and corruption, which was pretty much the basis of capitalism, so not so good. In the end, it was agreed to be a draw. Crowley didn't get a commendation, but since he hadn't had anything to do with it, he also didn't lose an important friendship over it. If there was one thing he had learned over the many centuries, when it came to Aziraphale, fires that involved books, regardless of how good, bad or controversial the books, were very bad thing indeed. See the Xiangyang Palace, Ashurbanipal, Alexandria, times two, Constantinople, times two, and the Great Fire of London, just to start with. It was rather unfortunate that, of all the angels and archangels, it had been Gabriel who was given Christmas. It meant his name was forever linked with the season, much to Aziraphale's discomfort. Sure, yes, good, fine, Crowley said. Here, present for you. 
Aziraphale blinked as Crowley emptied his laden arms onto the table. Is that... Lavender, Crowley announced. Thought you might like to do something with it. I'm shopping them all back, and they had better behave when they grow back, or else they'll be in serious trouble. Goodness, Aziraphale said, because, quite frankly, he had already learned the lesson about getting between Crowley and his plants. Seemed a waste to just chuck it, Crowley continued, turning back to the door. There'll be more in a bit. It certainly didn't seem a waste to simply throw it away, especially given how wonderful it smelled. Very thoughtful of you, my dear, Aziraphale said, distracted as he now was from his previous thoughts. I'm sure I'll be able to come up with just a thing. Just the thing turned out to be lavender pouches. He got the idea from the autumn feet. The autumn feet, held under the protective roof of the village hall, could be split into two main categories, food and crafts. Food included the harvest donations for the local food bank and the homegrown produce competition, as well as various things for sale. Crafts, including the flower arranging competition and an array of homemade items like cards, jewelry and soaps. Then there were the extra special items, which managed to combine the two. It was Nancy, whose gems, curds and chutneys, along with her husband Ronald's tomato relish, were one of the highlights of the feed, who was the most helpful in offering suggestions. And while Aziraphale felt that lavender soap, soap or exfoliating scrubs were beyond him at this stage, little pouches of dried lavender sounded like just the thing. As did several of the gems and a bottle or three of chutney, which would go so well with various cheeses. Crowley, in contrast, picked up a couple of bottles of homemade cider and one of slow gin, all of which, it turned out, went rather well with the cheeses too. So Aziraphale happily spent his time drying the lavender and sorting it into little pouches that he had managed to source from the internet with a little help from Crowley. And since he was not aware that autumn was not the best time of year to harvest the lavender, the lavender had no reason to be anything other than perfect, and so the pouches turned out rather marvelously and very intensely fragranced. Then Crowley picked one up. Angel, have you blessed them? he asked, eyebrows raised above his sunglasses. Only a little, Aziraphale admitted, wringing his hands together. Only minor blessings, health, contentment, peace of mind. Find of lost things, Crowley said archly, 
things go missing so easily these days, Zerophile said primly. People are always complaining about mislaying house keys and car keys and all sorts of other things that aren't keys at all. It seemed fitting. And nothing to do with Saint Anthony, Crowley continued, recoverer of lost objects. Well, as Zerophil said, as a touch of colour sprung to his cheeks, it is possible I took certain inspiration for that one from somewhere else. You don't think it's too much, do you? I thought about giving them away as Christmas gifts, and I know I'm not exactly on the clock anymore, but we've met some such lovely people that I thought a couple of very minor blessings couldn't hurt, and they have been so nice. I just wanted to give something back. Crowley looked down at the little pouches that had been separated into small groups, his fingers still tingling from the one he had picked up. I'm sure they will be elated, Crowley said. Aziraphale elected to take Crowley's words at face value, and so continued with his making and blessing until there was no more lavender and he was forced to find a new occupation for his time. Christmas would, after all, be upon them soon enough. Except before Christmas there was all hallowtide. No one calls it that anymore, Angel. If Aziraphale had a complicated relationship with Christmas, then he had an equally but differently complicated one with the three-day festival that was kicked off by All Hallows Eve or what was now commonly referred to as Halloween. Absorbed from Samhain, but pitched as a Christian festival, it had originally been one of Aziraphale's favorites, being that it combined celebrating the end of the harvest with prayers and remembrance for the newly departed. He had always found something special in a community coming together in joint celebration, sharing the fruits of their labor, and remembering those dear to them but no longer there in the flesh. And if he had been the first to encourage the giving and receiving of little cakes in exchange for prayers, well then, all the better. That had been one commendation honestly earned. And the corruption of the soul cake practice into modern-day trick-or-treating had earned Crowley a similar commendation, although he maintained that he had had nothing to do with it. He personally blamed the Americans, and Aziraphale didn't think he was far wrong. Modern All Hallowtide, however, was distressingly different from the earlier forms. Harvest had become its own separate celebration, while the traditional bonfire was now kept for Guy Fawkes' night. God rest his soul. The religious observance of All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day was in serious decline 
and the increasingly secular observance of Halloween had all but swallowed up All Saints' Eve. For the most part, Aziraphale had continued to observe the principal feast of All Saints' Day, the Anglican version, as it was the dominant church from where he lived, but had forgone the rest. Crowley, in contrast, loved modern-day Halloween. He loved the scars and the dressing up, the decorations and the partying. He loved the concept of trick-or-treating. He loved the thrills and the spookiness. He wasn't too sure where the whole newer, sexy Halloween thing had come from. But hey, that was humans for you, always taking something and somehow adding sex to it. This, too, he blamed on the Americans, and, of course, the Romans before them. They'd added sex to a whole load of things. While Aziraphale had spent the past few decades fretting about humans possibly bringing themselves to harm, dabbling with occult powers, Crowley had been having fun. It's harmless. Crowley had declared back when they had both been charged with helping to decorate the Dowling's residence. Well, mostly, Crowley had added, propping up the reasonably realistic-looking skeleton and waving one of the arms. But initially the point was to dress up to scare away the demons, Aziraphale had protested. Not have a night where you all but invite them around to partake in nipples and merriment. The fact that over the years he regularly invited his own demon around for nipples and merriment had only been partially lost on him. That was different, after all. While Crowley was with him, he wasn't partaking in nibbles and merriment while tempting some unsuspecting human. As an angel, it had been Aziraphale's moral duty to thwart that sort of behavior whenever he could. That said, now that he was happily cohabiting in rural content with this one particular demon, the last thing he wanted was to attract some unwanted attention from other demonic forces. Not sure my lord, former lord, really care much about Halloween anymore, Crowley said when Aziraphale brought it up. Never really appreciated the potential of it anyway. Which left Aziraphale in a bit of a conundrum. It would be nice to do something for All Hallows' Eve, since he missed the community spirit it used to bring, and they were now part of a new community. Crowley would also enjoy the spooky, silly aspect of it as well. And it was important to care about your partner's interests. But at the same time, it would be bad to draw undue attention from either of their former sides. Worse would be to do something or not do something that would draw the ire of their new neighbors. There were protocols about this sort of thing, especially in villages such as this one. 
do too much and you risk upstaging the neighbors, a horribly British crime that could be held against you for many years to come. Do too little and you could be accused of not keeping with the community spirit, another terribly British crime that had the same result. Then there was the fact he was an upstanding member of the local church, and the church itself, both big C and small C, had opinions about Halloween. Relax, Crowley had said, coming in with a new bowl of apples. Just ask around and then do whatever the neighbors do, but in our own way. Simple. Since that was a smashing idea, that was exactly what they did. Their way. So, the evening of the last day of October saw an angel and a demon handing out sweets, toffee apples and homemade soul cakes to delighted children from the village. They had decided to keep the decoration simple for their first year, enough to show that they made an effort not too much as to offend anyone's sensibilities. With the possible except of Mrs. Hazelton, who was always prepared to be offended. Two carved pumpkins showed they were open for young visitors, although the stuffed snake wrapped around Crowley's one was deemed more cute than scary. The skeleton by the front door was scarier if the number of surprised screams when it suddenly moved were anything to go by. The highlight, however, was the effort Mr. Fell and Mr. Crowley had obviously put into their outfits. With wings? Not his real ones. That really would have attracted the attention of upstairs. And a halo? Everyone agreed that Mr. Fell was resplendent in his toga-like long white robe, the gold face paints adding a strange unworldliness to his angel costume. Mr. Crowley, on the other hand, had simply gone for adding demon horns and a tail to his usual dark clothing, one of his gardening pitchforks propped by the door. But rumor had it, if you asked nicely enough, or rudely enough, he'd pull his sunglasses down to reveal the most amazing contact lenses. Yes, everyone agreed that the new neighbors had done well, even if no one had any idea what a soul cake was. Halloween was deemed a success. Of course, being the time of year that it was, the celebrations did not stop there. And just two days later, it was off to the school playing field for soup, huck and cake, oatmeal and black treckle gingerbread cake, and the village fireworks display. Do you ever think it's strange? Aziraphale said as they watched the children twirling their sparklers. That they celebrate something that failed to happen by enacting what should have happened? Humans, 
Crowley said with a grin, They do love a good contradiction. The firework display was lovely. The tomato soup was lovely. The parking cake, specially made by Haley, the village go-to person for desserts, was particularly lovely. It was by silent and yet mutual consent that they did not linger by the big bonfire. There was still plenty to do and see, though, and there was something nice about being able to wander around, greeting their new friends and watching the children laugh and have fun. There was nothing and no one to stop them from holding hands or even slipping an arm around the other one's waist. And if they had watched the firework display with Crowley's arms wrapped around Aziraphale from behind, while Aziraphale savored the close contact and the last of his pack and cake, then that really was just between them. <laughs>